All right, you guys, this episode, whoo, get ready because we laugh, we cry. It's all love. And I learned so, so much from Brandy. Um, get ready, get in your seats, get comfortable. It's a little long, but I promise you it's so worth it. So make sure you listen to the end. All right. So today I have a guest, Brandy. You are my first, first guest on, on any podcast I've never yeah. <laughs> interviewed before. Um, so we just, we just, uh, I gave you that little questionnaire to, mm -hmm. to see if you were interested in this and you accepted. And so um, there's a few little things that you said you'd be great to um, share with everyone. So let's mm -hmm. start, though, with you introducing yourself. And I kind of always just like for people to introduce themselves because I feel like who better to tell me about you than you? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, my name is Brandy Andrews. I uh, live in Los Angeles. I'm originally from the Bay Area. Um, I am a first generation Black, Latinx, Indigenous, lesbian mother. <laughs> that's a mouthful. And um, I currently have opened a spa um, in Glendale that specializes in pigmentation disorders and skin conditions for people of color as well for the LGBTQ community. Um, I run a nonprofit that helps with uh, Canna Wellness, getting Canna Wellness to underrepresented communities, people with mental health issues that do not want to go on medications. Um, I provide uh, Canna Wellness for them. Um, moms are a big, uh, huge part of it. Uh, birthing parents are a big, huge part of it, um, as well as the LGBTQ uh, and the LGBTQ military um, is a huge part of it. Um, so I think that's about it. Did I hit it all? I, I think so. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I hope I did. Um, if we could get into you and only share what you're comfortable with sharing, of course, from the yeah. get. Um And I should have asked you at the beginning before we started recording if there was anything you didn't want to touch bases on. But if we do start hitting somewhere that you don't want to touch on, just tell me like, oh, I don't want to touch on this and I'll do it. You got it. Got it. <laughs> okay. Got it. Um, so can you share with us about your childhood? Yes. Uh, my childhood, uh, I'm a child of an immigrant. My mom's from Michoacan. She's from a little uh, town called Apatzingan. Um, we were... She migrated to California. She landed in Watsonville, California, which is a small little farming town um, right over the Santa Cruz Mountains uh, or right next to the Santa Cruz Mountains. And um, my childhood was interesting. I was, for the most part, the only child uh, of biracial descent in an entire town. Um, uh, I'm a survivor of sexual assault. I am a survivor of <laughs> constant narcissism. Um, uh, I've survived a lot in my in my 36 years on this earth. Um, and I love my family. I love them to, to my core. Um, and, you know, we're all victims of victims of victims of victims. So to find compassion for my mother and for my blood father and for my stepfather and for, you know, my brothers and stuff um, and for myself uh, is the journey that I've been on for the last couple of years, um, to help myself become a better parent. Um, yeah. 
That that was a really, really good explanation the way you said it, because I feel like so many people I've noticed that when they start trying to like get on their healing journey and um, they realize that a lot of this trauma came from their family themselves, Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. kind of like this resistance of like, fuck, like if I accept that I have felt this this way, that there is trauma, that all of this and that doesn't mean that I don't love my family. And Mm -hmm. no, like it could like you can absolutely still love your family, but just knowing that, you know, they probably came from something too. Whatever they gave you has mm-hmm. probably been a little bit better than what they had. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just mm-hmm. so hard to like, to be like, if I, if I confront this, if I actually like come to terms with this, does this mean that I like hate my parents because they were part of this, right? Um, to some yeah. extreme. So how has that kind of been for you now that you um, mentioned that? Like, how is your healing there um i mean it's up and down healing isn't linear it's not a and that's something that i'm learning everything that i'm saying is something that i'm constantly telling myself on a regular basis you know um it's been drawing boundaries has been an issue coming from a latina family latino family um and it's caused a divide between me and my second oldest brother um it's brought me and my first oldest brother closer and me and my little brother are continually working on our relationship, but the biggest relationship was that of me and my mother. Um, and I think it was shortly after my son was born, you know, I, I, and I'm sure a lot of Latinas and um, people of color can relate to this. Uh, I was the person in the family that was emotionally responsible for everybody. I was responsible for everybody's emotions. So while I didn't have the financial burden of being a parent, I had the emotional burden of being a parent. Um, And so I think a lot of that, you know, I, I feel like I'm educating my family. I feel like I'm educating those who are around me that, you know, you can move forward. And thankfully I have, you know, a beautiful support system, amazing loving friends and amazing wife who's further on her healing journey and is open to also providing those tools to me because I'm willing to do the work. Um, And so I think that with starting my, my healing journey and doing all of those things, it hasn't, it hasn't been easy whatsoever, but the inner person in me is like, I have to let go of these things because from being a previous mean girl, I know that now the narcissism that I was ex- uh, that I was exuding, the anger that I was exuding, um, those were all learned traits. It wasn't me. And so really trying to discover myself and who I am and what I want to resonate with, you know, it's no longer, oh, well, we didn't do it that way. It's like, my wife always tells me, you're not there anymore. That's not where you are. You're here in this moment. You're not a child anymore. You're not, and not like, you're not a baby. It's like, you're not a kid anymore. You're not responsible for this anymore. And reminding me not to be in the past. Right. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Um, You mentioned you could share with us about being a woman of color and a first gen. Can you mm-hmm. share that experience with us? Cause those are already just two big ones Start <laughs> wherever you want. And uh, it's hefty, that. right? <laughs> Um, well, being a woman of color and being a first generation, I think people assume a lot of things about me. 
I think they assume that I don't know how to speak Spanish. I think they assume that I identify as a black woman, um, which I identify as now learning all the verbiage and all of the things in all of the different communities. I identify as a black Latinx indigenous woman. Um, I am Native American. Uh, thank you, 23andMe. <laughs> Shout out to them. Um, and I really got to get in touch with my roots and stand in my power of this is who I am instead of constantly being told what I was, you know, I, I have a distinct memory in my mind where I saw a woman on a magazine and she was darker complected. And I told my family, I said, look, look, this is me. I'm Latina. And they were, or I'm a, you know, I, I think I said I was Latina or something like that. And they laughed. I won't say which family members it was, but they laughed. And they said, you're not Latina. You're not that. And I was constantly being told what I was. And um, so that, you know, became that burden. Um, constantly being, you know, scrutinized or touched or, you know, being raised in an era where boundaries weren't a thing. And so if a white person came up and touched you, you just had to be quiet. So I was constantly having my hair touched, my skin touched, my arms grabbed. And like, I can't tell you to this day, if I don't know you, don't touch me. Don't get too close to me. There's been times where I've been walking with my wife and somebody will run up behind and I'll like yank her arm because it's an, it's an initial reaction to try to protect myself from being touched. Um, so it's, it's made me a highly sensitive person. Um, and, and I think the, the good thing that came out of that is now that my son is a highly sensitive person, you know, um, with the pandemic and all of those things, I can kind of guide him and tell him and, and teach him boundaries. Like, please do not touch my hair. Please do not touch me. This is my body. Don't touch me without permission. There's sometimes where I'll play with him and I'll hit him on his butt and he's like, mama, please don't touch my butt without permission. And I'm like, oh, baby, you're right. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I did not mean to. <laughs> I know. Cute. And if he's in a highly sensitive state, I'll be like, can I give you a hug? And he'll be like, no, not right now. He's like, but can I have a kiss? You know? Aww. And so him being able to communicate that stuff is, I think that's the good thing that came out of all the life experiences I've had as a woman of color and first gen. Yes. With the, with the first gen, how do you think, do you think that that had any effect on you? Like, when it came to the community you grew up in or even like in education? Sorry. Uh, that as being the first gen, do you think that that had like, what effect did that have on you with like education or in the community that you grew up in? With education, I think with me, I have more of an artistic mind and that wasn't really nurtured. So by anybody, um, because, you know, they didn't have that knowledge on, you know, being a creative mind. It was like, you had to be this way. And that was the way that the school groomed kids to be. Right. Um, and so I was always more drawn to the arts. I see in color. I see everything in color. I see every hue. I see three different shades of white behind you. I see four different colors of gray on your side. I see seven different colors of black on your on your uh, mic. And so it was really hard for me to concentrate. But it's now my superpower 
because of the field that I'm in, you know, I went into the cosmetology and I was like, oh my God, I found it. I found the colors. I found where I can thrive. And it took me until about 22, (laughs) about my 20s to find it, but I found it and I've been here ever since. Um, right now that you said that about like being able to see all the different colors and, and then like mm-hmm. you saying like, oh, this is my superpower in that I kind of want to talk a little bit about just toxic and recovery. Right. So I've said before yeah. that like this podcast is about taking kind of like that inner mean girl. And I always call like mm-hmm. I have different toxicas inside me. I have like the fear, the self-doubt or whatever. But there's mm-hmm. times where you can use those things also as your superpower because they're warning you about something right they're bringing your attention for something um mm-hmm. so you had shared i had asked you if you could if you considered yourself to have an inner toxica and i'm curious now like who is she or like what is she like what's the inner toxica in you like oh man she she was probably <laughs> prevalent for close to when i had my before I had my son, actually probably about 2017 is when I started healing her because I got into a car accident, um, and had the right side of my body taken out. So it was, I had to sit with myself, um, and really look at the people that I had around me who were also toxicas big Mm -hmm. time. Um, and you are who you surround yourself with. And, uh, I was a big, uh, people pleaser. She was a people pleaser. She was angry. Um, she was hurt. Um, she has abandonment issues. She has imposter syndrome. She has, I, I feel like I've kind of helped her with her narcissistic traits (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like, Hey, we're not this person. Remember, like this was learned. We can unlearn this. Um, and so you know, I've kind of learned to hold hands with her instead of shutting her down because I think part of her makes me strong and she's part of who I am. And I don't ever feel like I need to get rid of her. I just need to talk to her and to heal her. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of leading into that next question I was going to ask you, like, how have you been able to bypass your inner, inner toxica when she's holding you back from like something like I'm sure you starting with your business like mm-hmm. Oh, imposter syndrome to the max. Right. So how, how, and I think you were about to get into that about talking to her. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, I try not to bypass her. Okay. I try to sit with her. Got it. I try to sit with her. And when I sit with her is when I go to my therapist (laughs) Mm. and I say, I'm having this thought and this thought and this thought. And before I start to spiral with her and we're like, okay, we're going down into this tornado. Like, let's go. I was telling my oldest brother yesterday because he, you know, uh, with his intrusive thoughts. And I said, it's like when um, Dorothy was in the house getting in the tornado and it's like, and my toxica was like zooming around me. And she's like, you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. You know, you're an immigrant. You're a child of an immigrant. You're never going to have money. What do you think? You're going to be wealthy. That's a lie. Sorry. You're good. Hey, baby. Why? I'm in, I'm in my interview right now. What did you get? Oh, did you get a turkey? I got to walk home with the whole turkey dinner and the whole thing. Okay, I'm sorry. I, thought I, I love you. It. I'll see you soon. Bye. She never FaceTimes me, so I had to. Yes. (laughs) My bad. So cute. Um, So, um, 
yeah and, and i tried to i try to really understand why she's so hurt because i feel like you know when that bruja is you know spinning around you and she's telling you no 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 it's all just your life experiences mm-hmm. and my wife tells me all the time you know your mind is lying to you and i think finding somebody that you can trust it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be a partner it could be a friend it could be a therapist it could be a healer it could be your shaman it could be whoever it is that you trust and and you know writing down these thoughts and being like these are my thoughts and somebody being able to be like that's completely imagined and you trusting them you know cuz sometimes you know when you need that words of affirmation you know i'll tell my wife i need words of affirmation and she'll tell me words of affirmation and i'm like you're lying <laughs> <laughs> that was so good that was so fucking true <laughs> you're lying why 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 the fuck are you lying to me like that's not you know and it's just like i think we're so programmed to want that end result that I'm, you know, it's going to happen like it does in the movies. Mm. And I wish somebody would have told me when I was younger that the movies aren't real. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Or yes. that you can have that, but it takes work. I wish somebody would have told me that sooner. Damn, that's you know? a good one. Yes, that is. Uh, right. And so when my son gets frustrated because he's highly sensitive and he'll be like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I look at him and I'm like, you're not doing it yet. You haven't learned it yet. And that's the same thing that I have to tell myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that children, our kids mirror our inner selves. And it's hard sometimes because if we haven't healed that or if something happens and then all of a sudden everything is struck up and you're like, where the fuck did this memory come from? And then you get angry. And then you're just like, you, you want to say, you did this to me. Well, how could you do it to me? Mm-hmm. But it's just like, okay, instead of being like, this happened. Like my inner toxic is like, let's fuck this up. Let's <laughs> ruin their lives. Let's burn their whole building down. Can I cuss? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's called toxic <laughs> recovery. What are you thinking? <laughs> I just want to make sure. Um, you know, and she's she's always going to be there. And I think that... <clears throat> Uh, I think if you make it some water, I threw it back. And she was like, my toxic is trying to help me right now. <laughs> she said, like, bitch, you're giving away all of our secrets. <laughs> like, why are you talking about me? Like, I'm not even here. <laughs> um, you know, I think keeping her in check. And I think that's a lot of what we learned at the summit. That's a lot of what the focus was. To know that we all have that. Women are pitted against each other. You're talking about the We All Grow Summit? Yeah. Oh, you went to this last one? Mm -hmm. Ah, that shit looks so cool. All right. So for those of you guys who don't know what it is, you could follow. I think their Instagram is We All Grow. We All Grow. At We All Grow. Um, And so it's just, it's a community of... Latinas who, they all do different kind of stuff. Latinx, Latinx. Yeah, Latinx, Latinx. all the things, but it, it's it's a big community and they support each other, like women supporting women. And it's fucking awesome. So it yeah. was really a lot. I didn't know going into it how much it would be. And I think, you know, it was so interesting that you did the Toxicon recovery because I mean you should go to the summit next year. I it want was to. so interesting to 
try to make friends without your imposter syndrome or your defense mechanisms coming up. And I went by myself. Well, I went with my mom, but I went, you know, as a single individual, like I was invited to other dinners and stuff. And so I went and it's like, damn, I go in there and then I'm talking to myself in my head the whole time. What if they don't like me? What if I don't find somebody? Oh my God. What if I'm not Mexican enough? What if I'm not black enough? What if my Spanish isn't right? What if I stumble over my words? But none of that was ever thrown in my face. Ooh, that sounds like the place I need to go to. <laughs> Girl, when I was sitting at these tables and just all these different Latinas and everyone just supporting each other and, and trying to, and then also respecting if somebody felt overwhelmed. Like me, mm -hmm. I was handing out marijuana everywhere. I was like, <laughs> you need a bath. I was part, already part of a mom group. So some of our groups, I was just like, any moms need marijuana? Any of my can of wellness people need marijuana? I got marijuana. I got bath bombs. I got tinctures. I got gummies. I got, and I was just, that's what my nonprofit does. And, you know, I was just giving it away. Come by my room. Like, let's connect. And I connected with a couple of, of really amazing, you know, people, including the co-CEO of We All Grow Latina Vanessa. Um, mm. and just sitting. And with that is and just so, so cool because in our communities, usually like with our families, it's very taboo. Like, mm -hmm. like you usually have like the one cousin or the whatever that like smokes some weed, but y'all got to be like all low key about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And especially because there was so many, like in that we all grow, you know, there is, there is like, everyone's doing their own thing. And, and there's also like, professionalism right and so the mm -hmm. fact that now that is also a profession mm -hmm. and you don't have to fucking hide it or feel less than because of it yeah. is yeah. huge huge yeah. let me let me tell you what happened at that dinner that i went to when i was talking in my head i sat down across from this gorgeous latina her name is Susie. look like every latina i ever grew up with so of course i'm triggered and i'm <laughs> like she's not gonna talk to me ends up she is a latina in cannabis has her own cannabis brand and her farm is in Salinas, which is what? right next to my city, Watsonville, where I was born. Wow. And I'm sitting across from her like, what? Yeah. She, her company is called Umo and she is one of the very few Latinas in, in the cannabis industry. And I was like, look at this divine, you know, we got done with dinner. We smoked, we went to the HBO Max Palente, you know, comedy show. And it was fantastic. Yeah, I can imagine. It was great. It was great. Well, I was just like, this is, I love it. <laughs> well, now that we're already in the topic, you know, that was the other thing, yes. the other two things that you said um, you could help out the audience with. So um, mm -hmm. talking about conscious parenting and can of wellness parenting. Mm -hmm. So let's get into those two things. Yeah. Which one? Let's start with can of wellness since we're already there. Yeah, can of wellness. Um, I I started my can of wellness journey back in 2017. Um, I think about two years before that, I started noticing that I had a problem with pills, prescription medication. Um, you know, I would get them. I'd go like if I my back hurt or something like that, I would go, you know, you're taught, go to the hospital, go to the doctor, get a pill for it, keep it pushing. Um, and it wasn't until 2017 where I had gotten hit by two drunk drivers and had the right side of my body taken out. And I did not take one single opioid. I did not take one single painkiller. I went 
through my friends had worked at dispensaries and they were like, do not take the pills, please. I will give you tinctures. I will give you topicals. I will give you weed to smoke that will help with the pain. Um, and that won't take a toll on your liver and your kidneys and your intestines and cause more problems for you. Um, and so through, I think it was a year, almost two years of recovery and no, it was about a year of recovery and six surgeries later, um, I had solely sustained on can of wellness. Um, the only time I ever had an opioid was when they had to put me out and, mm -hmm. and do surgery. But, and, and I mean, they were, they were throwing everything at me. They were throwing morphine, Dilaudid, Norco, um, Percocets, just everything. The whole, I had bottles and bottles and bottles and I didn't touch a single one. Damn. And I was like, I'm not taking this. I'm not going to be, you know, addiction runs in my family. I already know what's going to happen. And, you know, I stopped using pills or taking pills uh, because one day I think my liver, my liver and my kidneys, I don't know what was happening, but I was running a fever. I was in constant pain. I had shivers. It was like I was going through a detox. Mm. And so I decided that day I wasn't going to take any more pills. I said, I'm not touching another pill. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I started my candle wellness journey. And then, uh, was, was it la this year, this year I got together with a couple of, of, uh, women of color that I knew and, uh, that I know and, uh, the other, uh, executive directors of our, non of the nonprofit. And I, I joke all the time because I say, all I wanted to do was throw a gala. That's it. I wanted to dress up. I just wanted to look really cute. I mean, wear my dress, black tie, throw a party. And then that's how our nonprofit came about. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because all of our sponsors ended up being marijuana sponsors. Yeah. Um, and I kind of want to touch on that too, because I, I told you that I moved, I relocated from LA to Humboldt County. And for those who don't mm -hmm. know, like Humboldt County is like just known for weed. And um, mm -hmm. until I got up here, I met someone um, who's kind of known in the in the cannabis industry as uh, Sweetleaf Joe. And he told me about his nonprofit as well that helps with the same communities and underserved communities and in places where they're just like kind of like dry counties, but not for alcohol, like for weed. So they can't buy mm -hmm. There's no dispensaries mm -hmm. in their county and they're oh, going man. through like chemo and they have to drive like four hours to the nearest like dispensary to get their medicine you know because they don't want to be on pills or whatever and mm -hmm. and so he does that like he helps get cannabis into the hands of people who need it and just can't can't get it and it's really fucked up yeah. you know like to think of somebody getting going through chemo and then having to like fucking drive four hours after after a session to like go get their medicine just because mm -hmm. it's quote unquote unquote like not medicine to some in the eyes of some people right so mm -hmm. um i really like hats off to you for that for that nonprofit because i'm sure that it's helping so so many fucking people and and i feel like since i started talking about cannabis like openly on instagram mm -hmm. uh, more people would reach out and be like oh like about trying it or or not feeling like shamed on talking to me about what they do or how they do it yeah I still have shame when I do it. And it's just like, I, I but I do it for my mental health. So I, I hear that. Yeah. And, but, and, but they seem to feel even like, like I shouldn't, how can I be using this for my mental health? Because our, our families have ingrained so hard and it's like, no, you don't need it. No, you, you know, like, 
¿Estás um, haciendo drogas? Oh my God. You know? I know. Um, so yeah. And, and um, with that kind of wellness journey, have you felt pushback from your family? Do no. they know about your nonprofit or anything? Yep. They do? Okay. Yep. Yeah, no I, I will smoke right next to my mother. And I'll Woo! be like, I'll step outside. I mean, I'm oh. going to be like, and blow it in her face. You know what I mean? <laughs> I show people respect when I do yeah, it. Like, yeah. I'll walk away. I'll go and yeah. I'll take my two. I like take two hits, three yeah. max. Yeah. And I come back. And it allows me to be present. It allows me to not be triggered. It allows me to like really, like, again, like my brain sees in colors. So I'm like everywhere. I'm like, oh, there's all these different things, you know, but it allows me to focus, you know, yeah. and I don't think I have ADD. Maybe I do. Maybe I have ADHD. Who knows? But it helps in that capacity. You know, I'm not doing bong rips and then like driving my son to school. Right. You know, it's like I'm not, I'm not doing it while I'm driving or I'm not doing it while I have my son. You know, if I do have my son and we're inside and we're like playing or in the garden, I'll go walk away. I'll, you know, obviously he's safe. Um, you make sure that he's safe. I'll walk away. I'll take two hits and I'll come back. And I'm yeah. one with the ground and I'm, or I'm one with the paint or I'm one with him and yeah. I'm asking him questions and he's asking me questions and we're having conversation. Um, because addiction does run in my family, I do constantly have that thought like, fuck, am I dependent on this? Am mm -hmm. I an addict? And again, that's where you go to the people that you trust and that you yeah. love. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I'm having these thoughts. And, you know, my, my wife who's sober, she's been sober for five years. Um, okay, so sober difficult. does mean no weed either, right? No weed, no. Okay, she, I was asking somebody has, else the other day. I haven't drank in over a year, so I was like, does that mean I'm sober? <laughs> but I'm like, or does weed I not mean, <laughs> if you choose, If you choose a life of sobriety, I mean, I don't really drink anymore. I did all my drinking in my 20s. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I will maybe have like a glass of wine or two yeah. every other month, if not every two to three months. Yeah. It just doesn't have that that appeal to me anymore. Like right. it just takes for me. It's like uh my wife told me that um alcohol, I forgot what the origin is, but it's a a soul sucking demon. It's called alcohol. Hmm. And that's a soul sucking demon. And that's what alcohol is named after. Damn. Uh -huh. It do be like that though. It does. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It just takes your soul. You're not even there. Yeah. Like with weed, at least I can be present and not yeah. shaming anybody who drinks or, 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 you know, drinks wine or does anything like that, but you just have to really be conscious of the person that you become mm -hmm. and the person that you are exuding when these things are happening. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, and so you said when you, when you're feeling these ways of like, uh, am I getting addicted or something? And you said you go to the people who love you. So you said you go to your wife and then what's mm -hmm. that conversation like? I literally just be like, babe, I'm having the most intrusive thoughts right now. Can I share them with you? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, baby. And so I'll just tell her and I'll be like, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling this and I'm feeling this. And she's like, you're not an addict. And yeah. she'll just tell me. And then I'm like, okay. Thanks, babe. And then sometimes yeah. just that little bit of affirmation that you need, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not sitting at home all day being high. Like it helps. Again, it helps with my creativity. It helps me hone in. So I'm not like pretty bird, pretty bird, pretty bird, like working on a bunch of different things at one time. You know, I'm still, I have the ability to sit still and just concentrate on what I need to concentrate on. 
That's dope. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, uh, getting into the conscious parenting, and you kind of mm -hmm. started uh, schooling me on this a little bit the other day too, because I had said, "Oh, I'm I'm a gen I'm trying to gentle parent," and you said conscious parenting. So, can you define for us what conscious parenting is? Well, conscious parenting for me is more of accountability of yourself as a parent um, to acknowledge that and have the conscious mentality that your child is learning and to put unrealistic expectations onto your child because of how you were raised is not fair. Um, it's something that I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly taking, you know, conscious parenting classes, but it's all about the accountability. And it's like, your kid doesn't know these things. Your kid isn't doing things to be malicious. Um, you know, just because my son is throwing a tantrum or is mad because he doesn't get a toy, he's not. I think I called my son a spoiled brat once. And guess what he did? He kept repeating it back to me. Because they're little parrots. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, and I would have to tell him every time. He's like, oh, mama, I'm acting like a spoiled brat. And I'm like, baby, I'm so sorry. Mama said that to you. I said, you're not a spoiled brat. You, you're, you're not. And that was an unkind thing for me to say. And I apologize. Um, also going back to your child. It's hard when you're triggered, but you have to go back to your child. I told my mom the other day and I was joking, obviously. And I said, having, being a mother, having a child is like being in a a toxic relationship that you can't get out of oh no yeah I, I was just having this conversation with my husband yesterday like it is or with my mom actually I think with my mom too I was just mm -hmm. like it's it, it's the most toxic relationship like they are bipolar they are abusive they are like right? all the things you know but but they don't know what no, they're yeah, doing they and so it's just like the inner toxica in me wants to be like whatever yeah. like I don't need to put up with this but I do because I chose to be a parent. Mm -hmm. I chose to be his mother. And so, you know, with that, you know, I only have so many tools. And now everybody, my wife, my co-parent, his father, and now my son, we all have therapists. In, cool. in, in my family, as the matriarch of my family, I strive for everybody to have emotional intelligence and mm -hmm. emotional accountability. And I was talking to his father the other day. Um, we're both gay. Uh, we conceived through artificial insemination. Um, and I told him, you know, boys will be boys. I said, that's not a thing. So people will be people, but my son will be held accountable. He's not going to get away with things just because he's, oh, man, he's so cute. Look at that face. I have the same face. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same face. And while that will, he does have a privilege in that, I do not want him becoming an, an emotionally immature um, individual. Mm -hmm. Whether, whatever he chooses, you know, to be down the road, whoever he tells me that, you know, he is and, and, and I support him. My job as his mother is not to groom him to be something that I want him to be. I want to show him different things of the world and then have him make that decision for himself. Would you be able to give us an example of like what it is to hold him accountable? Because I think that that's like you had said, like the tools and, and getting the therapy, like, 
right now that's something my husband and I had just started talking about of like we don't want to hit our kids so like but he's like I'm open to learning but I don't know any other way because mm -hmm. if you grew up one way then you don't know anything else right oh yeah and they don't come with like manuals like that or, like when they're throwing a tantrum and you want to whoop them like you and know you want to like grab them or have yeah. them hold them yeah it, it induces their flight flight or um, freeze mechanism right so, so how would you how do you go like any example whether it's a tantrum or whether it's him hitting you or whatever it is because that's i've got i keep getting that one from my toddler like she's hitting me and i'm like i don't even yeah. you don't even see us hit each other so where are you getting right? this from right like, so that's what i tell him is when he does that i'm like do i hit you do i hit you and he's like no and i'm like then why are you hitting me i'll cry i cry and i look him i let him see me cry because he needs to know the effect that what his actions have and while he can't put words and feelings together yet um i have to kind of help him go through that so he's at this stage right now where he's like i want this and da 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 da, -da. and he'll start swinging or he'll kick something or he'll throw something and if he goes to hit me you know i'll grab his hand and i will smack his hand I want to get to the point where I'm no longer doing that. Mm -hmm. And I tell him and I talk to him and I say, I don't want to hit your hand. I don't want to give you a power in the hand. I don't want to do this. This hurts me. I said, but I cannot let you hit me. Mm -hmm. I cannot let you talk to me that way. You are entitled to your, I've been telling him since he was two, you have every right to be angry. You have every right to feel your feelings, but you do not have the right to hit me. You do not have the right to scream in my face. You can use your words. And if you can't use your words, if you can't control your body, look at me and tell me, mama, I can't control my body. It is not an expectation. Like I don't, I don't expect you to know how to handle your body because you're not there yet. So if you can't control your body and you're angry, tell me, mama, I'm angry. And then we will work through it together, whether it's breathing, whether it's, you know, hitting a pillow, I said, now we're not calling it bad behavior. We're calling it dangerous behavior. Mm -hmm. Because if you're hitting or kicking somebody, you can hurt yourself or you can hurt others. Mm -hmm. And when we had the first session with the therapy, with the therapist, he was able to articulate fully what was making him mad, what was making him sad, um, and where he's happy. Because That's he's good. not, he's doing great in school. He's doing phenomenal in school. But now that we've separated households, and his father has moved because we used to live right next door to each other. Mm. Um, he's going through a transition. He's bouncing back and forth. He doesn't have a choice. And we have to remain compassionate to that. Yeah. Yeah. So so that goes with the consciousness then, like the conscious parenting. Like just it's exactly it. Like being conscious of him being his own like soul, his own human. And I think that is a huge thing that has happened in the past that parents want you to be like little, little them or like, mm -hmm. oh, what they expected to be perfect or what they, mm -hmm. you know, like. And But that's um, what was done to them. Exactly. Yeah. I, I got a question the other day and they were asking me because I, we were talking about this kind of um, like parenting and the no hitting or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they asked me, like, do you think like we're just becoming too soft, like communities like too soft? And I was just like, you know what? Like here's the thing maybe we, maybe we are but soft is not weakness and that's where no. you're kind of confusing it that's like passion yeah like I was just thinking like 
if things were if we wanted to stay like a hard community or like whatever it is that it you're, that you're thinking is the opposite of soft like that's what already happened to our parents and look at them that's what happened to our grandparents yeah, and look at them mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. obviously that is not the answer. That's what happened to you. Look at you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Look at yourself. Look at yourself and what you're portraying. Like, look at how your life went. Do you want that for your child? I think that in the Latino community, being able to identify our feelings and being able to identify different emotions is not a norm. You're either happy no. or you're sad. And yeah. then if you're sad, oh, why are you sad? <laughs> you yeah. have food you have a roof over your head it's like i need a hug <laughs> i need yeah. to be held i need compassion and you, and you realize though when you go back like a lot of our families in mexico they're like 12 fucking kids there's a lot yeah. of them so there was yeah. no fucking time for let me hug you or how are you mm-hmm. feeling and it was everybody and, gets to work yep and and now like everybody even with um with like the research that Brene brown does on on like emotions she mm-hmm. just had her book, The Atlas of the Heart or whatever. And she talks, they, I think in that book, they talk about like 80 different emotions. And she's like, but most people can only identify where when they're happy, sad, or mad. And she mm-hmm. calls it like the something triad, mm-hmm. like happy, sad, mad. Then those are like the three main things that most people can identify when they're going through. But people don't know that there's yeah. like, oh, there's curiosity, there's wonder, there, there's so many more words, but as limited as our mm-hmm. vocabulary is, and that's how mm-hmm. limited we are to be able to express how we're feeling. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got this little thing called, uh, it's from Generation Mindful, and everything is colored in a line like the chakras. And they have little flashcards of different types of emotions. They have steps, and they're all color-coordinated. They have cards of affirmation and I got these for my son and they were even, bitch, they were helping me. I was like, oh, <laughs> damn, did you know this? <laughs> I'm like, Harley, look, there's another emotion, you know, and there's, there's so many resources out there now. Like there's little otter health, there's slumberkins, there's little renegades, there's, there's so many things out now that you can find that helps you resonate with your child and embracing your inner child and healing your inner child. Like if when people ask me, you know, what's one piece of advice that you would give, you know, to parents or people who are about to become parents, become parents. And I said, unpack your shit, find a therapist, mm-hmm. heal yourself, or you're going to project all that onto your child. And there's a lot of selfish, selfish people out here having kids. It is Damn. being a parent. I've learned is the most selfless, thing that you can do yeah they take your time they take your money they take your youth you know and it's not because they chose it they didn't yeah. choose it you know yeah. they didn't choose to be here you chose to be the parent you chose to have the baby this is all your responsibility and a lot of people don't want to hear that no yeah and you're right yeah it just and I think it's something that most most moms I don't know how it is for dads I haven't really asked my husband but it does it just it just forces you to have to start dealing with your shit like mm-hmm. it really really does it's fucking crazy <laughs> and then from like the dawn of time with men too I've 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 tried to develop more compassion for men because men were never taught they were taught very limited emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I saw it happen with my brothers. I've seen it happen with his father. I've seen it happen with other male friends that I have. And I have, I've, I've mm-hmm. read, um, I watched documentaries um, just to help me better understand what my son is up against, mm-hmm. you know, and to also inform, you know, his father, you know, and he'll be like, he's, he's black. He was raised black. You know, I was raised Latina and, you know, it finally came to the point where I was like, look, we have different values on this. And if we can't agree, I'm like, you're not going to see my side. I'm not going to see yours. So we need to go to family therapy. And that's written in our parental agreement and under our mental health clause. We went through and did a whole parental agreement before we even conceived Hartley down to holidays, people who don't have access um, to him, uh, you know, if anything were to happen to us, here's a list of people who have a notarized letter, but ultimately Hartley gets to choose who he goes with. Oh, that's, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. He gets to choose who he goes with, but that person has to acclimate to the life that we've created where for him, wherever we are, they can't just pick him up and take him somewhere else. You know, yeah. they have to be there for a certain amount of years. And then, after that, after they've created that bond with Hartley, have a conversation and let him know, like, we can do ABC, XYZ, um, you know, your parents set you up to be able to be here or here, you know, um, and even now, like with, with my wife and me being married, you know, we have to sit and talk with her about what her boundaries are, you know, because if something does happen to me, all my maternal parental rights go to her. Mm. Got it. So she get, she gets that. So we have to also include her in the parental agreement and what her boundaries and standards are, because I can almost guarantee you if anything were to happen, God forbid, to both me and his father, he's going to want to go with his mama blue. He's not mm. going to want to go with anybody else because she's the one that's been constant in his life since he was one. Yeah. So. No, it sounds uh, like you've been doing conscious parenting from the get because... <sighs> because i've tried that first year was really difficult even the second year was really difficult and honestly it wasn't until i met my my wife that she was like this isn't okay what you're doing right now is not okay as being a a a child you know of of abuse and and all these things she's like no you can't do this and she's like even if you are going to do this i can't sit idly by and watch you know, because my first knee jerk reaction, I'm a very reactive person. I'm very reactive. And so you do something and it's like, what? Mm. And I'm screaming and I'm doing all of this. And I wonder why my son is screaming back at me. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Makes sense. And so, yeah. And so I'm not perfect. I don't claim to be at all by any means, but I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to hold myself accountable for any type of thing that I put onto my child or onto my wife or onto my co-parent. So this kind of leads good into the next question that I had, which was what do you consider success in this season of your life? Oh my God. Um, Being, making efforts to be in my body. Okay. Making effort. I'm going to cry. making a conscious effort to not disassociate myself because of trauma 
and to be fully present and know what that feels like to be able to identify my emotions and who I am and not what somebody else wants me to be. Um, and how I identify, not how other people identify me. And knowing that my emotions are also my superpower and that it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel down. It's getting through it, not living in it. Um, and asking for help, learning how to ask for help, learning what help looks like um, for me, um, and being able to fully be present because people can be there. You know, I can be sitting here and my mind can be somewhere completely different. And having that ability to acknowledge myself and say, it's okay that you do these things. You're learning and that's fine. Um, I think that is what I consider success in this season of my life and being able to pass that on to my child. Thank you for sharing that because that is fucking, that's like the best definition that I've ever heard of success. <laughs> Holy shit. Because it's so true and it's exactly like what you're saying and like even that I've been learning recently with like some of my clients like at the first sign of like uncomfortable feelings you want to run and you do like dissociate from your body and that's just fucking hard that's what keeps us there because we just like oh my god away from it right now that doesn't feel good and then you come mm -hmm. back and it's still there mm -hmm. so damn that was that was good <laughs> um Another quick question. What do you consider your daydream life? I talk about always, I talk about living your daydream life. So now I'm curious, um, you know. My daydream life, man. Um, I think I try, I, I wouldn't consider myself, I mean, I'm living what I want to be living now i try not to over fantasize my life um because it sets unrealistic unrealistic expectations for myself um i think that i would say like my dream life and my dream goals um are to have my business to make it thrive to raise my son and have him thrive to be with my wife and our marriage thrive, you know, to get a house, to get some land, um, and have, you know, just that stable ground. Cause I'm tired of paying white people's mortgages. Um, and I'd rather be paying my own mortgage and knowing that I can have that, that that is accessible to me. And that's my right. That is yeah. my birthright. Wealth is my birthright. Success is my birthright. Happiness is my birthright. Um, and so I guess I hope that answers that. Yeah, it does. Because, <laughs> and, and it even sounds to me like, because what you were saying is just like these things, like right now, 
one day you were probably daydreaming about right now, like the life mm-hmm. that you have right now, like you're happily married, you have a healthy son, you have your business growing, like mm-hmm. this was the daydream life. So this is, yeah. I am living my daydream life, you yeah. know, like it's just going to get better, but I'm already there. I mean, next know? step is like a yacht in Europe <laughs> and, you know, going overseas and shopping in Milan and, you know, having clients all over the world and, you know, having my school. And I mean, I, that's, I, that would be the, the next steps in, you know, what's next for me, you know, opening up my space to, you know, my community. Um, I think what's her name? Oh, Jessica from Wine and Chisne. She has her podcast that's that's sponsored by Coca-Cola and she's going to have it here um, in my space in the end of March. And so really being able to provide a safe space where people aren't going to feel taken advantage of, where yeah. they're going to know that they're supported, where they're going to know they're going to have additional resources um, and that it comes from a place of love and giving, you know, and because trust me if somebody comes around that is like just feels like they're entitled to it i will tell them about themselves like (laughs) don't let my soft voice fool you like i will snap if you do things that are disrespectful or and i'll tell you very eloquently you know before i probably would have told you off and slammed a door and and drove off and did all those things but now it's just like no yeah no is my superpower (laughs) No, that's really good. I'm not gonna. I no, I'm not gonna allow this. No, and I'm and that's gonna, respecting gonna, yourself yeah. too. That's respecting mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, as we as we wrap it all up, where can people find you? What are like important things going on right now? Um. What should we look forward to with you? What's oh, up? Man. Plug it all in. What's up? All right. Let's. Do- Um, I am in the process right now of relaunching my skincare brand. Um, I have a huge sale going on right now. I've created a skincare line for people of color. um, That's eco-friendly, vegan, paraben-free, sulfate-free, silicone-free to help with skin conditions and pigmentation disorders um, and just skin in general. Um, I will be doing my grand opening in February. Um, just a wide introduction to the space. Um, I have a couple of nonprofit events coming up next year, just with kind of wellness. One of them being with the, uh, Amigas and cannabis, um, have panels coming up next year as well. I think for the end of this year, everyone's just kind of wrapping up, like everyone's checking out. So um, just really getting all that into the works. And then 2023 is just going to be a whirlwind yes. of everything. So I'm crowdfunding um, to help expand my spa. I'm in a small studio now. Um, and there has been an opportunity that arose with the studio that's right next to me. And the landlords were like, we can just cut a door Ooh. and then you can have two studios. And so I'm trying to expand. But with that, I have to apply for grants. I have to apply for crowdfunding uh, or I'm, I'm crowdfunding, you know, providing the supplies, bringing on the staff, um, training everybody, you know, launching my advanced um, education program um, to help teach people, uh, more people about this area of the beauty industry. Um, I'll be going on a couple panels to talk about the toxicity of the beauty industry and what it's done to people of color. Um 
I mean, yeah, I think that's about it. That's all I can think of at this moment. <laughs> okay. Where can we follow you so that if more stuff comes up, when it comes up, we able to know where to go support? Um, I have my Instagram, which is Brandy J. Andrews, and then my website, brandyjandrews.com. I have uh, Luna Vibe, uh, which is my company. So it's a Luna Vibe Co. on Instagram and lunavibe.co on uh, for our website. Um, and then you can find every single link to everything there. All right. And I'll also try and make sure to just put the links on the show notes so it's easy to find. <laughs> so nobody got an excuse on why the fuck they can't get to it. <laughs> I didn't know how to spell it. So no, 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 no. <laughs> All right, Brandy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today and to share all the things and to get vulnerable with me because I'm pretty sure now somebody's going to realize, one, they're not alone, and two, they can start defining success for themselves because at the end of the day, too, I think when we try and live for other people's version of success is when we end up kind of miserable. So I'm so yeah. glad that you were able to define it real good for you so that people can see just how different success could be for different people. So thank you yeah, so much. And success. Yeah. Remember that success morphs. So if one thing doesn't work, it doesn't mean you failed. It just means you have to pivot. Yeah. Oof, That's what I think about. Pivot. Anytime something goes wrong, I don't know who, if you're a friend's fan, I think of Ross. Mm, Did you ever see yeah. that episode where they were trying to get the, the couch up the stairs and he's like, pivot, pivot, pivot. <laughs> I haven't seen that episode, but I do oh, know. Oh, you have to about. watch it. It's hilarious. <laughs> but there's no way he didn't get the couch upstairs. He ended up yeah. breaking the couch into pieces because he didn't change. And, but he was trying to pivot the entire time. Pivot, pivot. All right. I hope you guys got as much as I did away from this episode. I know it was a lot to take in. I think my biggest takeaways now that I've had some time to digest the episode and re-listen to it was just how much, how, how much work all of this takes to start the business, to become a conscious parent, to live fully in your own version of success. Like that's what I got out of the whole conversation that we can all do this, but it's not easy. Brandy's an amazing person, an amazing soul. And yes, she has her business. And yes, she's in the great marriage and she has this beautiful son and she's trying to learn all the things, but none of it has come easy for her. And all her life experience has got her to where she is. And I just wish you the best, Brandy, if you listen to this and everyone else, I hope that you get something from this podcast, even if it's not the same thing as me, like make sure that, you know, you comment or go follow her and see what she's about. And then, you know, drop some love, you know, show, make a review for this podcast and for this episode and um, just share like what you learned from Brandy, because this was a lot. This was amazing. She got vulnerable for us. And and while you have to wait until you're ready to get vulnerable, but at least just start realizing that you are not alone. All right, friend. All right, amiga. I'll talk to you later. Sincerely, Toxic and Recovery.